0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6:12 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 2nd day of July 2021. This is episode 448. Of Bitcoin and I'm back on my usual schedule. I'm waking back up at five, had kind of three weeks of some lack, you know, like, you know, lack in my, my usual timing. So hopefully you guys on the East coast will be able to get this on your way to work. Sorry about that. It was just that kids are out of school. Everything's kind of weird. Things are changing for me. So, uh, for those three weeks, I just kind of had to just lay off and just, you know, Not worry about getting up at 5, but I'm trying to get back into that stuff so that you guys on the East Coast can have this for your morning commute. Let's go ahead and start it on up with Bitcoin Magazine. Peter Chihuahua, Strike adds Bitcoin Buying Tab in App. Yeah, if you didn't see the announcement from Jack Mallers yesterday, you might have been under a rock. Not sure. Let's get into it. Lightning Network Payments Platform Strike which recently made headlines as the premier partner in El Salvador's decision to declare Bitcoin as legal tender, has announced it is adding a Bitcoin buying tab to its app with the goal of minimizing the fees typically collected on these buys. Quote, I am unbelievably excited to announce the Bitcoin tab and the ability to buy Bitcoin on Strike. Starting today, Strike will set out to be the cheapest and easiest place on the planet. To acquire Bitcoin, company founder Jack Mallers wrote in an announcement post. In the post and in a conversation with Bitcoin Magazine ahead of the announcement, Mallers emphasized the tab as something he wanted to offer with as little markup as possible, citing Coinbase's fees of up to, God, 4% on such investments as contrary to the Bitcoin ethos. Quote, it's going to be as cheap and accessible as we can possibly make it. You cannot build a business on charging people to buy open source money. I'm going to offer buying Bitcoin for free without any shit coins, Mallorz said in the call. Initially, Strike will charge no fees for buying Bitcoin, but will pass on the market spread execution cost charged by its partners. The announcement post indicated that those costs are less than 0.3% now, And that mallers expects them to drop below 0.1 percent over the coming months as volume grows and strikes partners charge it less during the call mallers explained that the service will have a 10 btc cap per single order and that the tab will initially be released as a beta with a wait list users can hold their bitcoin in the app or withdraw to third-party wallets for which they control the private keys. <clears throat> the announcement also teased a potential range of additional functionalities coming to the Strike app, potentially things like automatic dollar cost averaging services, direct deposit splits into Bitcoin and more. Quote, "Today, the Bitcoin tab allows you to buy Bitcoin. However, the Bitcoin cab tab lays the foundation for much more soon." users will be able to buy Bitcoin, get paid in Bitcoin, get rewards in Bitcoin, round up savings in Bitcoin, and much, much more per the announcement post. So there you go. Yeah, he dragged Coinbase through the mud on that announcement. It was a sight to behold, honestly, because he calls out Coinbase and Brian Armstrong directly in that announcement and kind of just Lays it out, I, I, you know, I mean, I haven't bought Bitcoin from Coinbase, God, in like forever. And I'm talking, when I mean forever, I'm talking like more than a couple of years. Uh, you know, once I finally figured out that Brian Armstrong is definitely not a friend to Bitcoin, um, I just, I, you can't really, <clears throat> you know, you. when the whole delete Coinbase thing came up, I just didn't even try because I, well, I didn't try because I knew that I was going to have to do a lot of work <clears throat> uh, to get with their customer service to re- not reinstate my account, but basically for me to gain access to my account. Because when I first set up Coinbase, I did it when I was working at Texas Tech University. So I had my, you know, my Texas Tech, you know, dot edu email account tied to it. And when I left, you know, they deactivate that shit. You know, they deactivate, you know, Texas Tech. and well, any institution, if they're worth their salt, will deactivate any kind of, you know, credentials or access to anything that they directly control immediately upon your resignation. You know, I mean, well, it, well, your last day. That's one of the things that you do is you talk to or one of the things that I had to do is go talk to IT and say, I'm out of here. I just honestly, I didn't want to go through it. I had already drained all my shit off of Coinbase. So I, you know, and I was like, oh, Whatever. I'm not going to spend the time to, you know, go all the way to, you know, back to Coinbase to get my shit changed over to a different email account just so that I could delete it. Some things are worth it and some things aren't. Coinbase isn't worth my spit, so I'm not even going to spend the time doing it. <clears throat> now, going over across the pond to Germany. German law allowing a $415 billion investment into crypto takes effect. And that was yesterday. Okay, so July 1st was the effective date on that. We've talked about it before. In case you missed it, we'll go through it again. Uh, Jamie Crawley takes us through it. A new law in Germany that could theoretically prompt up to $415 billion to flow into crypto takes effect on Thursday. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's actually... Nope, that was yesterday. Yep. Today's Friday. See, maybe maybe I'm getting up too early. Who knows? Germany's Fund Location Act, introduced in April and approved by Parliament shortly thereafter, permits special funds or special funds to invest as much as 20% of their portfolios into crypto. Uh, The law came into effect today, which was yesterday. (coughs) Should every special fund Uh, choose to allocate the full 20% in crypto, that would equate to 350 billion euros or 415 billion US based on the total assets under management of such funds in Germany. The figure was arrived at by Sven (coughs) Hildebrandt, CEO of Distributed Ledger Consulting, and was cited in a report by financial newspaper Borsen Zittung in April. Special funds are the dominant institutional investment vehicle in Germany, a sizable allocation of this market towards crypto could have profound implications across Europe because the country has the eurozone's largest economy. All right, so yeah, there's some uh, there's some some nuance there. Uh, just because Germany does it and does it at the size of 415 billion dollars, that all by itself is kind of a large deal. However, it sets a precedent across eurozone. Okay, this is me talking. The the you know the the article is over now but it does set a precedent because if somebody like like let's say italy says well we want to do it too it's not like the european court's not going to let them do it because germany's doing it and they're all friends right they're all in the eurozone they're all like best buddies and supposedly the eurozone is sort of a homogenized legal format from finances to markets to you know exports and imports and everything's supposed to be the damn same right so, if Germany does it, technically, every single European union member can do it or will have they can't do it unless they enact it in their own country, but there i I just can't see a you know, a European court saying, "Well, Germany can do it, but i'm sorry, france you're 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 not allowed to do it. That's not going to happen. otherwise, you get you basically go against the entire theory of what the Eurozone experiment was supposed to be. So I kind of expect more of this is what I'm getting at here. Now, I don't think that the following is going to be included in the special funds. Bitcoin Cash ABC rebrands to eCash, embraces proof of stake, and adds two decimal places. Samuel Haig is going to tell us this story from Cointelegraph. Now, before we begin, it's it's it, uh, you need to understand that Bitcoin Cash ABC is not Roger Ver's outfit. Roger Ver got into, I guess he got into a fight with one of his lead programmers. I can't pronounce his first name, but I think his second name is Sachet. Uh, the French guy, and they had a falling out much like Roger Ver and Craig Wright had a falling out and all of a sudden Bitcoin Cash forks into Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Cash ABC. And I think it had something to do with, uh, uh, uh taking a portion of the fees from blocks that were mined in Bitcoin Cash ABC and giving a portion of that to developers. As a tax, and well, as you can imagine, if you know anything about Roger Ver, he 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 didn't like that, so he kind of poo-pooed it. And next thing you know, the French guy goes off on his own, and here we are. Bitcoin Cash ABC, the embattled cryptocurrency project that forked away from both Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, has rebranded to eCash with the ticker XEC. The project's relaunch will see it integrate proof-of-stake consensus layer. Avalanche is its name, according or introducing staking and greatly increasing the speed of transactions. As if, as if, as if Bitcoin cash couldn't be made any worse. Here we are. Quote: No other money has eight decimal places. Why should crypto? Cryptocurrencies with lower unit price also enjoy higher bull market appreciation because the eCash team is incentivized by both tech and price improvement. This improvement was a no-brainer. End quote. Oh god. <clears throat> that was their lead developer, Amory. That's it. Omri, Sachet. With the upgrade, all users BCHA coins will be converted to XEC at a ra- uh, ratio of one to one million. Holy crap. Chinese crypto media Wu Blockchain noted the project plans to support EVM compatibility, signaling eCash hopes to interoperate with Ethereum's burgeoning DeFi sector. Jesus, talk about chasing after Spectre-like gains. Bitcoin ABC proponent Jonas Vermorel articulated five core missions for the project, ensuring transactions are anonymous, immutable, low cost, and secure in less than three seconds, and maintaining infrastructure as a public good funded through the coin social contract. Jesus, God. Bitcoin Cash ABC experienced a rocky ride after emerging as the minority chain after November 2020's Bitcoin Cash Fork. The rest of the community did not accept Sachet's move to redistribute 8% of newly mined coins, okay, that's what it was, to a wallet under his control or to fund development. This was implemented into ABC in November. According to CoinMarketCap, Bitcoin Cash is currently the 12th largest crypto asset with a capitalization of $9.2 billion, while Bitcoin Cash ABC ranks 217th. With a market cap of 587 million. Yeah, Omri, I don't think this is gonna help you, dude. I just, I, th- I mean, at this point, you're just turning this coin into a, oh, what, what, what how, did I, how to say it? How to say it? Uh, you're just basically throwing word salad at your coin to make it look like Ethereum because that's all you got left. I, that's all you got left, pal. And expect the same bullshit to go on with the rest of this crap. It's all a shit show. And this, I just, you know, I'm still going to go to my grave, not understanding the logic of people who don't get this. If Bitcoin falls, they all fall. If Bitcoin falls, they all fall. No, I mean... <clears throat> if for whatever reason Ethereum becomes the number one coin, and I'm not talking about the number one coin by market cap or active addresses or any of that bullshit, the, the number one coin just worldwide, then how long is it going to take for Ethereum to come under attack and be replaced by, I don't know, Dogecoin? Because you can imagine that would like Elon Musk would just start attacking Ethereum at that point. And then let's say Dogecoin comes up and it's the number one coin. And we're talking like, let's say 20 years out, something like that. <clears throat> at what point does anybody have any trust in crypto? I, I mean, I literally have no trust at all in crypto. I trust Bitcoin. All right. That, that's what I trust. So if it goes down, <clears throat> you, it, you're, you're not going to trust any of this shit anymore. Because it's like it's nothing but it's it's so liable to you know or or yeah, like well, liable to social attack vectors that it can't survive in the future. That's why Bitcoin is so important. The fall of Bitcoin means the fall of all coins. And all the people from all the other coins that don't get that are I don't know how they honestly, I don't know how they don't see that. I that's It's amazing to me that that happens, but we, we got other fish to fry here. Thailand, uh, SEC files criminal complaint against Binance. So if you're noticing the dip in price this morning, this is probably it. Echo, I don't care. Jamie Crawley has it from CoinDesk. Binance's woes continue as Thailand Securities and Exchange Commission files a criminal complaint against the crypto exchange for allegedly operating in the country without a license. The securities regulator filed the complaint with the Economic Crime Suspension Division of the Royal Thai Police, saying Binance had failed to meet a deadline for responding to an earlier warning, according to an announcement on the SEC's website on Friday. The SEC claims the exchange solicited the Thai public to use its services via its website or the Binance Thai community page on Facebook. That means... Binance is operating an unlicensed digital asset business, the regulator said, quote, only providers who have obtained relevant licenses under the law are allowed to provide services related to digital asset trading, exchange, depository, transfer, withdrawal, or any transactions related to digital assets. The regulator said it issued a warning letter on April the 5th this year requiring Binance To submit a written response, Binance failed to do so within the specified time, the SEC said. The complaint comes at a turbulent period for the crypto exchange. It has received a warning over a similar matter from the regulator in Japan, been barred from conducting regulated activity in the UK and pulled out of operating in Ontario following regulatory action against fellow exchanges in the Canadian province. Binance did not immediately respond to, you know, Coindesk's emailed request for comment. Of course they didn't because they're trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do. If they had spent more time trying to figure out how to decentralize their operations so that they don't have offices that, whose doors can be knocked on, mailboxes who can be opened and cease and desist orders put inside, and telephone numbers that can be dialed, Instead of listing all the shit coins, they might not have to actually deal with any of this bullshit now, would they? But they didn't. You know, and this is the my problem with Kraken and, you know, Kraken, Binance, CoinDesk or Coinbase Pro, all these things. I mean, like, it's just a shit coin fest. And none of those people actually said, you know what we might want to do? is we might want to figure out how not to get thrown in jail because none of these people, no matter what we do, are going to like what we do because they're, it's going to take the power away from nation states. The, the spread of Bitcoin, which is essentially what they were supposed to do in the first damn place, takes power away from nation states because it completely pulls the teeth from the economic, not from the economic system, but from the economic unit of control. And that would be the free fiat currencies of all the nations, right? So, no, but in, no, instead of decentralizing and figuring out a way to look more like, uh, oh God, I can't uh, see it's too too early in the morning. I should know this, but I don't. It's com- I know you're screaming at me. You're screaming the name right now. It's okay. I can't hear you. I'm in a room in the panhandle of Texas and it's just far too damn early, but you get what I'm saying decentralization of these exchanges is kind of priority if they want to stay afloat. Otherwise I got other on-ramps to get Bitcoin from. And I, ever since I got rid of my, all my shitty bags of crap that, that I thought were, you know, fun in 2015 and 2016, I don't have any, I don't have any need at all for any of these people. I could literally not care. However, the implications are pretty bad for, you know, especially for Binance. So following, you know, we'll have to see, we'll have to follow this and see where it goes. But my, my suggestion to all these people is you better figure out a way to notarize yourself and get yourself decentralized so that you don't have to worry about this crap. Anyway, moving on. Hut 8. <clears throat> yeah, baby. Buys 11,000 new Bitcoin mining rigs for $44 million dollars. Namcoos has it for Bitcoin Magazine. The Hut Eight Mining Corporation has announced a forty-four million dollar purchase of eleven thousand and ninety What's Miner Micro BT M thirty and M 30s pluses and M 31s Bitcoin mining rigs from Hong Kong based company Super Acme Technology. Super Acme. If you ever watch the old Looney Tunes commercials, you'll or uh, cartoons, you'll you'll find that hilarious. The purchase complements an earlier one of the uh, 863 M30S Plus and M30S Miners, which HUD-8 expects to be delivered and deployed this month. However, the latest batch of machines won't be delivered until October, with full deployment expected to be completed by December of 2021. HUD-8 plans to employ the almost 12,000 rigs in a 100-megawatt mining facility being planned, reportedly being developed in a partnership with Validus Power. Additionally, the company expects these miners to amount to a hashing capacity of around 1.081 exahashes per second after full deployment. According to its website, the Bitcoin mining company currently has two farms in Alberta, Canada. An operation in Medicine Hat is said to have 67 megawatts capacity with 0.7 exahashes per second ability while the mining farm in Drumheller houses 43 megawatts of power and a 0.34 exahash per second capacity. If Hut8's plans are actualized, the company could reach around 2.5 exahashes per second hash rate capacity by the end of 2021. Considering the current rankings, this would make the mining firm the 11th largest Bitcoin miner globally right behind SBI Crypto, which currently has 2.89 exahash per second of capacity. While Chinese miners are being forced to relocate their operations overseas, following the nation's recent Bitcoin crackdown, North America has seen increased activity. In June alone, the region saw a mining farm that turns waste coal into BTC raise $105 million, an approval for Bitcoin mining firm Hive Blockchain to list on the NASDAQ, Blockware mining raised $25 million and mining company in the making TerraWolf ordered 30,000 rigs from Bitmain. It's going to be interesting to be seeing the following. That does it for the article, but this is going to be interesting. Will those miners be delivered? Will China allow those miners to be shipped and exported from Chinese soil? To anywhere else in the in, in the world, much less the United States, because you know, clearly if you've been you know following the whole great mining you know migration from China, then you know you've come across the several arguments about why are they letting the miners go i don't know. I have no idea there's like a, uh, there's a couple of things that I guess we could say about it, honestly, one would be uh that they're just making a mistake. All right, that let's start with the easiest one, that they're just they're literally making a mistake. That maybe they think that the digital wand is going to spread like wildfire throughout the world and everybody's going to want to use it. I don't think that that's true. If they're wrong about that assumption, then that would be a reason why they'd be wrong about letting the miners go because they're they're operating under a false pretense and their ego is large and their 100-year celebration of being freaking communists and basically having fun staying poor except for the very uh, highest echelons of Chinese administration which those guys are not poor because those guys are not communist <clears throat> they're con- they're communist for everybody else they're forcing the country and everybody else to be basically communist but they themselves are not technically communists why because they're really not sharing their wealth my god have you seen their president suits Those things don't cost 30 bucks off the rack at frickin' Ross Dress for Less. No, that shit's Brooks Brothers. You're talking about $5,000 suits, right? I I doubt that your your regular communist guy on the street is buying $5,000 suits. All right, so these motherfuckers are not communist, all right? All the upper echelons of Chinese administration, Chinese rule, they are not communist. Get that through your head. That means that they're, the entire Communist Party basically is kind of a farce because they don't actually practice what communism says that they should be practicing. They should be sharing all this shit, right? They sh- He sure as shit ain't sharing his $5,000 Brooks Brothers, I'll tell you that. So that's all bullshit. The other thing <clears throat> is that they're just possibly posturing because of the 100-year celebration of communism, and they're going to crack down on, on Bitcoin and crack down on Bitcoin mining and then after the celebrations, they're going to relax everything. Well, guess what? If, they're, if that's their play, then they lost again. Why? Would you want to run business operations that one day you wake up and you can't do business and the next day you wake up and you can do some business and the next day you wake up like you know a year later and you can't do business again, after a while, these kinds of revenue disruptions are going to drive you out of the country, and and you're going you're going to be a pawn in regulatory arbitrage, and you're going to go find a place that has their shit sewn up and all their ducks in a row, so that you can actually operate a business. So if China comes back and says, you know what, guys, ah, we were we we're wrong. Come on, you can go ahead and plug your miners back in. They've already going to be, if they allow the miners to leave the borders, then they're already going to have lost 80% of their miners. And the 20% that plug back in a year from now are going to be told to unplug their machines again. I don't know, man. The, the whole thing is weird. I, there's, there's no telling what the hell's going on over there because unless you're boots on the ground in China as a native, China, like that has command of the Chinese language like a native. And are actually in those discussions, then you don't know what's going on. Everything else is secondhand, and all we can do is speculate on what the hell's going on. But that's China. Now, <clears throat> back in the rest of the for the rest of the world, we have Brian Quarmby talking from Cointelegraph about Bitcoin Mining Council survey estimates a fifty-six percent sustainable power mix in the second quarter of this year. Um I guess that means Elon Musk needs to start taking Bitcoin again for his Tesla's because he wanted over 50% of renewables. Let's find out more. The global mining sector has reached a 56% sustainable power mix in the second quarter, according to estimates from a Bitcoin Mining Council report. Quote, Bitcoin mining uses a negligible amount of energy, is rapidly becoming more efficient, and is powered by a higher mix of sustainable energy than any major country or industry A July 1st press release from the council stated, The estimate was based on a three-question survey of just 32% of the miners on the network. It found respondents are currently utilizing electricity with a 67% sustainable power mix, which is used as the basis for its 56% estimate across the overall network. One of the BMC's core aims is to provide transparent and verifiable data on renewable energy usage in the Bitcoin mining industry. However, the validity of the data and estimates resulting from BMC's survey is unclear as it relies heavily on voluntary and self-reported responses from just a subset of the network. Well, you're never going to get a survey where everybody answers. Come on, dude. <clears throat> the BMC vaguely notes that its estimated global Bitcoin network annualized power is based on its own analysis, assumptions, and exploration. The BMC defines sustainable energy as hydro, wind, solar, nuclear, geothermal, and carbon-based generation with net carbon credits, which are based on principles from the International Energy Agency's Net Zero by 2050 report. The new BMC study seems unlikely to sway Elon Musk just yet, who stated last month that Tesla would resume allowing Bitcoin transactions when the global Bitcoin mining network was verifiably backed by at least 50% renewables. MicroStrategy CEO and Bitcoin Mining Council member Michael Saylor was pleased with the report. However, noting that the Bitcoin mining industry has voluntarily worked together to provide critical information to the general public and policymakers, he said it would help clarify common misconceptions about the nature and scale of Bitcoin energy usage. The survey asked just three questions to participants. (laughs) How much electricity does your total fleet consume today? what is the total percent of sustainable electricity within your fleet's power generation mix today and finally what is the total aggregate hash rate of your fleet today the study comes at a pivotal moment in bitcoin mining history as chinese-based miners either shut up shop or are flocking overseas to energy cheap hubs such as quebec and canada and kazakhstan in central asia it remains to be seen how the upheaval in mining will affect the use of renewable energy though there are hopes it will have a positive effect. Well, probably. I don't know. Screw it. Let's run other numbers. CNBC.com, Futures and Commodities. Uh, We got flammable liquids being squelched, shiny metal rocks kind of popping up a little bit. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is down 0.18 percent to $75.09 a barrel, which is scathingly. This is the closest I've ever seen it to the price of Brent North Sea. Usually, there's at least a buck, you know, at least a dollar between. Not today, man. <clears throat> Brent North Sea's coming in at 75.66. It is down. Natural gas is down three quarters of a point to $3.63 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline futures are down 0.04%. $2.26 a gallon is what it appears to be. Gold up a half a point. Got to make Peter Schiff happy. $1,786.60. Silver is up three quarters of a point. $26.30. Platinum is up uh, 0.66%, copper is up 0.6%, and palladium is swinging for the fences at 1.12% to the upside, coming in at $2,800. Soybeans are up a point, corn is up a point, sugar is up a point and a quarter, cotton is up 0.68, and everything else is pretty much either sideways or down slightly. Uh, Let's see here, Dow futures up 0.04%, the S&P futures up 0.1%, NASDAQ is uh, up a quarter of a point, and the S&P mini is down 0.01%, so kind of just moving sideways, boring market day on a Friday. Bitcoin is at $33,141.87, 226,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 9,500 transactions on average per hour with 538 BTC being sent around the Horn in the last 24 hours. That's 22,500 BTC on average every hour being sent with an average transaction value of 2.34 BTC and a median transaction value of 0. 0.027 BTC or uh, $883.23. <coughs> Block times are high as you might imagine. Uh, 13 minutes and 43 seconds uh, per for a block to be minted. It was as high as 14 minutes sometime yesterday. Now, let's pause for a second to note that somewhere in the next 74, somewhere around there, 74 blocks. Uh, actually, let's look. Hold on for a second. Let me go over here to Clark Moody and I can tell you exactly what's going on. We have 66 blocks till retarget. All right, so... the the retargeting of the difficulty adjustment happens today. If you were not aware of that, keep your eyes peeled as to what happens when that difficulty adjustment occurs, okay? Not only right when it happens, but right after it happens. I have a suspicion, I do, I'm sorry. I I gotta say, I got a suspicion that we're gonna see seven minute block times somewhere starting like maybe 10, 15 blocks after the difficulty readjustment. Uh, just, I'm making the prediction. I kind of hope I'm wrong, but this is part of the game theory that is designed into Bitcoin. This is why it functions the way it functions. This is why it works as well as it has for as long as it has, right? So even if we get six-minute blocks, let's say, because people start plugging in their miners furiously because it was all a ruse, like the whole Chinese mining thing was just a ruse to get to a retarget. It just means that Bitcoin is a threat. Bitcoin will remain a threat because of its difficulty adjustment and other things, obviously. And it it just is the way it is, okay? So, but today is the day. And in fact, it's coming in 66 blocks multiplied by 13 minutes and 46 seconds. So you can do the math yourself. Let's get back over here to bitinfocharts.com. We have 0.68 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, 72.28 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a hash rate of 1.36% to the upside increase, we're at 92.37 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin at 22.5 United States pennies. Should be less than two pennies in my opinion. Now, let's go over to Clark Moody dashboard proper. We have... 36,450 transactions waiting on 48 blocks to clear. $620.3 billion in market capitalization captures 5.33% of gold's entire market cap. And one Bitcoin will get you 18.5 ounces of shiny metal rock. There are 18,746,197.75 BTC in circulation at this time. 1,646.9 of those are in the Lightning Network with a capacity value of $54.5 million, 12,139 Lightning nodes that we know about, and 51,330 payment channels that we can see. We have hit yet another all-time high on the percentage of Tor capacity for Lightning Network. We are now at 65% exactly. So that means that there's 1,069.88 BTC undercover in the lightning network by Tor. And it seems that there are 6,707 Tor nodes that we know about or rather that we can see. So that's gonna do it for vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We begin this one with Bitcoin's game theory is not cut and dried by Nameless from Bitcoin Magazine. We just uh, was just opining myself about game theory at the end of the last uh, last morning roundup section. Let's see what Nameless has to say about it. Game theory is the science concerning the systematizing of strategic conflict and cooperation amongst rational actors. It was formalized in the mid-40s by the genius polymath John Van Neumann and then it allegedly found its way into all kinds of science even though the only people talking about it are venture capitalist types like Balaji Srinvenson, using it in word salad to make simple things sound very complex. When game theory got a little pop culture notoriety with John Forbes Nash's junior depiction of the 2001 biographical drama, A Beautiful Mind, it somehow became one of those things that people thought could be utilized as a life hack without ever really understanding it, like nootropics, and magnetic bracelets. No, seriously, what are nootropics? To be fair, plenty of things can be appreciated just by reading their Wikipedia entries, but that does not an international affairs expert make, nor a set theorist make. Not everything is a perfect instance of the prisoner's dilemma, or a tragedy of the commons, or a game of chicken. Again, unless you're in Silicon Valley and wearing those ugly thousand dollar tennis shoes they all wear. A game needs, at the very least, one, rational actors, players who have specific goals and act in an order to achieve them, two, a set of finite and well-defined actions players can make, three, a set of finite and well-defined possible counter moves to those actions from every other player. Games are made challenging and or complex by one, determining a player's goals with certainty. Two, iterating a player's possible moves given an adversary's move, especially if it is a continuous game with no clearly defined end state. This can very quickly get bogged down in probability and Bayesian theory, which he's got underlined, but I'm not gonna go into Bayesian theory right now. Three, determining how much information each player has at any given moment. This is why game theoretic simulations for even moderately complex systems are frequently computer-based. Enter Bitcoin, which is to say, enter the space where Bitcoin, Bitcoiners, and others reside adjacent to it. Game theory is a frequent rebuttal or slash reason wielded with a high level of confidence for some actor doing this or that, or for hyper-Bitcoinization to be an inevitability. This is presumably because Bitcoin has rules which are extremely defined, very hard to change, and which generally encourage cooperation, but it's not that simple. One, acting within Bitcoin. This most closely resembles a cooperative systemic game where agreements are enforced by a third party which in this case is the protocol itself and the identity of actors is less important. Again, because of the protocol. Two, adopting Bitcoin, the decision to step into number one. Three, interacting with Bitcoin outside of Bitcoin. Let's dig deeper. The game theory of acting within Bitcoin is arguably or inarguably the most concrete of these. It is set by the code, which is extremely difficult to alter and is extremely costly to manipulate. This high cost, translated as censorship resistance and security, is a large portion of the value people find in Bitcoin. The predictability of particular actions by particular actors is extremely well known. As the network becomes more robust and mining becomes more decentralized, this almost isn't even a talking point anymore. Bitcoin will soon become denser than Iridium, and finding some leverage against it will be largely infeasible. The game of adopting Bitcoin, although admittedly I'm using the term a little more loosely here, is where things start to get fairly interesting. The power structures that exist within national governments and the legacy financial system have been perpetuated largely due to immorality and immoral actions, such as predatory lending, questionable wars, the petrodollar, cronyism, and the revolving door between them all. Maximal personal liberty in the current socioeconomic and political climate are mutually exclusive. Again, this is not an opinion. Hyper-Bitcoinization means, at the very least, a severe dampening of this climate. Adoption of Bitcoin in any capacity is not immediately in the best interest of most nations. Not since George Washington has such a powerful leader or entity readily given up power. No one should expect any large nation to go quietly. Hyper-Bitcoinization will not roll down to us from the hill of good fortune. We will have to hike ourselves up and claim it. And it will be a long and steep one. No country will step out of a game where they made the rules and can always adjust them to their benefit and enter into another game with steel walls guarded by those who used to be their subjects. They must be pushed in. Critical mass is, at least in part, one of the issues. This is why El Salvador's actions are such a watershed moment. Many people correctly theorized that it would be a smaller country under some economic control of a larger one to adopt Bitcoin. With much diligence and good faith effort, they will hopefully flourish and their neighbors will be encouraged to do the same. And large nations know there is strength in numbers. It cannot be overstated that this upsets the way of doing things in the modern world and that other actors will try to thwart it. You cannot reasonably expect a dishonest and malicious player to suddenly become cooperative. Interacting with Bitcoin while outside of it is, in this writer's humble opinion, the most problematic of these three games. The first two games now have considerable momentum behind them. The censorship or extreme regulation of Bitcoin seems to be the lowest cost way to resist it. What form that would take is less than obvious, but the options are fairly limited. You can attempt to restrict ownership, purchasing, trading, which is to say transmitting or routing transactions, or mining. Now that's only four avenues, but but they are each as wide as the FBI's pocketbook is deep. Bitcoin, like the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, is not self-enforcing. It requires protecting. And the only thing to do is make Bitcoin more (laughs) (gasps) anti-fragile, anti-fragile, anti-fragile. Fungibility and censorship resistance will carry the team team to hyper-Bitcoinization. All of this is to say that the road is not even paved yet. And we shouldn't be quick to assume the going will be easy, but at least we know where we're headed. All right. Again, by nameless uh, Bitcoin magazine there. Uh, give some really good points. Yeah, and that whole, uh, if you haven't seen the movie A Beautiful Mind, you gotta watch that movie, dude. Uh, Nash is one of the main contributors. The The movie's about uh, uh, Mr. Nash, who tragically died in a car accident with his wife, I believe after returning from receiving a, a computer science or mathematics prize of uh, f- of a fairly you know, high order, which is just a damn shame. But... The guy was crazy. The guy was actually kind of crazy. I mean, I I don't want to use that term in a derogative manner because some of the best thinking that humans have ever done has come from batshit crazy people. A lot of really malicious crap has also come from batshit crazy people. But in in Nash's case, he was batshit crazy in a really good way because his mind worked in a way that nobody else's mind worked. That's why the movie was called A Beautiful Mind. He did a whole lot more stuff for game theory over the years uh, than I think the initial author of uh, who laid down game theory. It was really Nash who came in and started kicking some serious ass for game theory. And you you can read that. There's actually a book. I think the name is Game Theory. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's like a tome. It's like 800 pages long or something like that. I actually saw it on sale at Amazon one day for like 587 bucks, if you can believe it. That was a, a while back. But I mean, all this stuff is actually written down. You want, If you want to learn game theory, there's, there's a textbook out there for you, pal. It's called Game Theory. You you go buy that thing and you can read all about it. But we're not going to do any more of that. We're going to talk about football. And Osato Ava Nomoyo is going to take us through it from Cointelegraph. Dutch football team AZ Alkmaar to hold Bitcoin and pay players in Bitcoin. Uh, the team is set to become the first professional football club in the Netherlands to pay player salaries in Bitcoin. In a statement posted on the club website on Thursday, that Eerdiverassie side, which finished third in the 2020 and 2021 Dutch football season, announced crypto broker Bitcoin Meester as its exclusive and official cryptocurrency partner until mid-2024. According to the announcement, the sponsorship deal will be finalized fully in Bitcoin, with the Dutch club stating its intentions to keep the BTC sum on its balance sheet. As Alkmaar will also reportedly begin paying its players in Bitcoin, joining the growing list of sports franchises, adopting BTC for paying professional athletes. For AZ's commercial director, Michael Koster, the appeal of Bitcoin and crypto is undeniable, hence the club's decision to adopt a BTC. Quote, the cryptocurrency market is booming with an exponential growth of users in recent years, Koster added that non-crypto entities like football teams require the guidance of established market participants like Bitcoin Meester. Indeed, the crypto broker is one of the few licensed cryptocurrency businesses by the Dutch Central Bank. Crypto regulations seem to be a major topic of discussion among, these, among the authorities in the Netherlands with one government official recently calling for a complete Bitcoin ban. Yeah, because your power is gonna go away. Crypto companies are increasingly entering into sponsorship deals with sports teams to boost brand recognition and grow their businesses. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, crypto.com recently announced a global partnership with Formula One, from Major League Baseball to the National Basketball Association, several American sport franchises and star athletes are also embracing Bitcoin. Back in June, a seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady inked a celebrity crypto endorsement deal with crypto exchange giant FTX. Yeah, Tom's getting a lot of shit for that one too because it's, he's just going down the shitcoin rabbit hole and it's just sad to see, but we got better fish to fry. U.S. State Department urges El Salvador to be, quote, responsible about Bitcoin adoption. Turner Wright tells us more, Telegraph. The United States Department of State's Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland said El Salvador should ensure Bitcoin is well-regulated under its new legal framework. In a Wednesday press conference following a meeting with President Bukele, Newland said the United States was taking a tough look at Bitcoin following the ransomware attack on the Colonial Pipeline and suggested El Salvador take a similar approach. The country passed a law in June making Bitcoin legal tender and legislation will go into effect on September the 7th. Quote, I did suggest to the president that whatever El Salvador chooses to do with regards to Bitcoin, you ensure that it is well regulated, that it is transparent and that it is responsible and you protect yourself against malign actors, said Newland. Let me pause right there just to say, well, duh. God, she's. First of all, well, one, you kind of, you, you, there's not a whole lot of places that you can really touch Bitcoin, as we had seen in one of the previous articles. Uh, however, on ramps definitely are, so that's the only thing that you can really regulate. After it's in, after you're in the Bitcoin system and you're using a non-custodial wallet, uh, you're it's pretty much there's not going to be that much regulation that can really be done. Okay, that's just the way that that's going to work. Once you're inside Bitcoin. The rules of the game change. When you're outside of Bitcoin, regulations can be very effective. And this is where they will be very effective. Anyway, continuing on. Newland's meeting with the president, as well as Minister of Foreign Affairs Alexandra Hill Tinoco, was scheduled as part of a visit to El Salvador, Paraguay, and Panama, at the end of June to discuss migration, democracy, and regional goals. However, it seems crypto may have been part of the planned agenda. U.S. officials, including President Joe Biden, have made public statements addressing ransomware attacks on critical infrastructure after the Colonial Pipeline cyber attack caused gas hoarding and shortages in certain areas of the United States. The discussion on Bitcoin between U.S. and El Salvador officials comes as the International Monetary Fund is speaking with lawmakers in the Central American country regarding a loan to support the local economy. The United States State Department reportedly supports the financial agreement, though the IMF has expressed concerns over the country's recent adoption of Bitcoin, saying the move, quote, raises a number of macroeconomic, financial, and legal issues that require very careful analysis. It means you pissed them off, Bukele, which is exactly the stance that you should continue to take. I know it would, it's very, it's very hard if one country goes, goes alone, but if, if all the neighbors of El Salvador start to do the same thing, you're, we, what we'll see is the IMF, World Economic Forum, uh, the World Bank, the ECB, the Federal Reserve, you'll see their power start to diminish. And what that will uncover is just how easy it very well may be to dismantle this whole thing all it's going to take is a handful of countries to band together and if for whatever reason all of these economic powerhouses decide to screw them as far as exports and withholding money and doing whatever it is that they can do and those countries are able to prosper in that particular environment then the signal sent to all the rest of the citizenry of the world is that we don't need any of this bullshit. I don't need the IMF. I don't need the World Bank. I don't need the World Economic Forum. And Schwab-Klaus and whatever, Klaus Schwab or whatever his bald-ass name is can go fuck himself. Because his existence on this planet makes no difference to the temperature of the water in my pool. And neither does Christine Lagarde and her felonious ass and all the rest of these jokers that are running around that continuously and have continuously for decades made us believe that their existence is absolutely critical to the functioning of the human spirit, and it's not. That's the whole point. It's not. You're laboring under a lie. We don't need any of these people. They've just made everything worse. And I don't even need to get into whether or not it's a conspiracy. All I'm looking at is, are things better? No, they're not. Who has their hands on those switches? IMF, World Bank, World Economic Forum, all these guys. They're making it worse. All right, before I blow up blood vessel here, fake COVID certificates and stolen vaccines being sold on dark web for Bitcoin. A little pause here, just to let you see what I'm looking at. A, this is being written by Sebastian Sinclair. It's being written for CoinDesk. And generally speaking, most stories have a headline And then they have, like, a little bit of a descriptor line, and then they have the the whole body of the article. So, fake COVID certificates, stolen vaccines, sold on dark web for Bitcoin, full stop. Here's the descriptor. Dark web vendors have been selling the certificates and vaccines for a range of cryptos, including Bitcoin and Ether. Coindesk is an enemy of Bitcoin. I read these because sometimes they actually have something, you know, here, but I've starting to I've been noticing for quite a while that they're just purposely screwing the headlines over so that it makes it look like it's all Bitcoin's fault. No. This thing could easily read like this. Fake COVID certificates, stolen vaccines sold on dark web for cryptocurrencies and Ethereum, or just cryptocurrencies, or just Ethereum. But CoinDesk singled out Bitcoin. I don't know why they continue to do this shit. I don't understand it. I, I, it do, Coindesk wouldn't even be a thing without Bitcoin, much like Coinbase wouldn't be a thing without Bitcoin, much like Kraken wouldn't be a thing without Bitcoin. CZ and all the rest of them, they, they made their bones on Bitcoin. And the only motherfucker out there that actually seems to have given a shit at this level is Arthur Hayes even though he's got, you know, probably could be like, you know, uh, uh, kind of shit coiny. But as far as all the rest of these people, they don't hold a candle to what Arthur Hayes has done for this space. You know, I don't get it, man. But I want one of my shiny fake certificates myself. So I might be uh, figuring out where this this place takes me. Falsified COVID-19 vaccination certificates. Stolen vaccines and falsified doctor's signatures are being sold on the dark web for Bitcoin. According to a report on Thursday from blockchain analytics company CoinFirm, Oh God, Ha! See, I see what you did there. Vendors have been selling the certificates and vaccines for a range of cryptos, including Bitcoin, Ether, Dash, Litecoin, Tron, Monero, and Zcash. And as I said, they only put Bitcoin in the headline. The company says these particular types of crypto are being chosen either due to their ubiquitousness in global crypto trade or because of the anonymity afforded as privacy coins. One particular dark web vendor, also known as COVID-19 Vaccine Shop, appears to be selling vaccines in bulk ranging from AstraZeneca, Pfizer, BioNTech, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Sputnik V coin firm reported. In addition to the illicit sale of vaccines, The report also said COVID-19 certificates, which were part of the probable health sector corruption from multiple vendors in the United States, Russia and other countries were being sold. Not only were fake certificates masquerading as proof of vaccinations being sold to clients, but their details were being entered into national health systems where in certain instances, doctor's signatures were found. One Bitcoin address identified by CoinFirm as having received funds for fraudulent vaccine certificates was found belonging to an exchange registered in Hong Kong, catering, quote, strongly to Eastern European clientele, end quote. CoinDesk attempted to clarify which exchange CoinFirm was referencing and how it identified Eastern Europeans as a major market but did not receive a reply by press time. CoinFirm did, however, mention the well-worn issue regarding certain exchanges lacking know-your-customer controls, allowing for an easy fiat on-off-ramp for criminals to cash out. Quote, it is for these reasons that every obliged entity should institute rigorous KYC policies, the company said. Oh, I want my fake certificate. I want my fake certificate now. Now, speaking of... um, or actually not speaking of, moving on. Sorry, God, it's still still really early. Robinhood warns its crypto business is heavily reliant on Dogecoin. <laughs> Robinhood and their crypto business is, is reliant upon a meme coin, a joke coin that was created because Jackson Palmer was pissed off that he, and he didn't like Bitcoin and thought cryptocurrency, by and large, was just basically a farce. Ugh. See, this is, uh, this is, these are the people that hold the major amounts of money in our, in our, in our world or people that think like this. It's just ridiculous. As it prepares to go public, Robinhood filed its form S-1 with the SEC, along with its role in clarifying some of the specifics around an impending public offering. An S-1 lays out some of the risks associated with investing in a company's stock. For Robinhood, that risk is Dogecoin. Quote, a substantial portion of the recent growth in our net revenues earned from cryptocurrency transactions is attributable to transactions in Dogecoin. If demand for transactions in Dogecoin declines and is not replaced by new demand for other cryptocurrencies available for trading on our platform, our business financial condition and results of operations could be adversely affected. Are you shitting me? These guys are gonna go public and they have no idea where future revenue is going is going to come from if and they don't know if a meme coin fails them as the revenue model are you shitting me jeez god 17% of the company's total revenue in Q1 of this year came from fees on crypto trades and 34% of that revenue came specifically from dogecoin Overall revenues are way up this year. Robinhood took in $522 million in the first quarter alone. Dogecoin was developed in 2013 as a way of poking fun at Bitcoin, but has since evolved into a crypto behemoth. It's now the sixth most valuable cryptocurrency with a market cap of $33 billion, people. In January, Robinhood established itself as the app of choice for investors looking to trade stocks as memes. Think GameStop, AMC, and BlackBerry which are all ailing company, ailing companies that retail traders could get together and pump artificially. Dogecoin was a natural pivot for many of those investors. At the end of the month, the price shot from around .008 to .03. The company's filing suggests negative perceptions of Dogecoin and increased availability of Dogecoin on other cryptocurrency trading platforms could potentially suppress demand for the coin on Robinhood specifically. Coinbase, now the largest American crypto exchange, listed Dogecoin earlier this month. Though it's clearly happy to ride the wave, Robinhood's crypto ambitions extend far beyond Dogecoin. It added a new COO for its crypto arm in April and held $11.6 billion in crypto at the end of the first quarter. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Well, I can't let you go at the end of this week without a joke from Dad Says Jokes who says, I've asked many people what LGBTQ stands for and nobody has given me a straight answer. Yeah, it's probably going to get me in trouble. Cancel culture, do your worst. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host, David Bennett.